Lord, I thank you that you paid the ultimate price for us, for the ultimate price, the ultimate inheritance. And you and I were bought with a price for the ultimate, the ultimate inheritance. See, the reason we can't give up, the reason we're called to press in, the reason that he came and died was for you and I to receive the fullness of his truth, which in its ultimate expression is not here. Grab a seat. It's not here. It's in an eternal realm, an eternal posture. And that can be really, really hard for us to get our head around. Because we're consumed in the now. And the now becomes all consuming. It literally becomes like someone's got their hands around your throat and they're choking the life out of you because it's all about the now. But the early church had their faith anchored in the future. You see, it's the future that empowers the now. It's not just about here. You know, we live these lives for 80 years and we think it's that's it. And so when the finish line is this earth now and things aren't going well, the future doesn't look good. But when the future is eternity for trillions of years with the Father at His side, maybe reigning with Him, ministering to God Himself, being in the presence of the Almighty King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, behind the veil, He tore the veil that the church would enter into the Holy of Holies. And posture themselves there. Not for one day forever. To have a living reality on the inside of us. Because the church, you and I, God's supernatural people. Empowered with a supernatural power. Worshipping a supernatural being. Who has always been. Ministering to Him. Allow that to permeate your thinking forever. Man, what am I invited to? You see, you start catching the whiff of what I'm saying. You start catching the living reality of God's truth, His Word. Your soul starts to lift. Your spirit starts to lift. Your physical body starts to lift. Your shoulders go back. Your chest comes forward. Your head lifts up. And you start walking in this posture of iron rod in your back. I'm strong. I'm courageous because the Christ in me. Not because it's Greg Simmons and he's working out at the gym and trying to get this glorified body before his due time. No, no, because the Christ in me 
The living hope of this world is in me. I have joy. I have a peace. And I'm living in a righteousness. And so I'm aligned and straightened. Why? Because I can see. Because faith is sight. Faith, the Bible says, is the assurance of things that I hope for. And the conviction of things that I can't see in the physical. But I can see them in the eternal. And then that reality comes and it actually lives within me and changes my whole posture. Because I entered into a living reality of an eternal realm. See, we sing the song, we don't really know what we're singing. The Lord's Prayer is let heaven, the reality of that entire culture, come and live in me. So I'm able to actually walk a life like an ambassador from the other realm. There's no depression in, here, in eternity. There's not to be depression on the earth. There's no sickness in eternity. There's to be no sickness on the earth. In me physically. And I'm posturing and I'm moving towards something because I've seen something in a realm beyond the earthly. And the Bible tells us, Jesus screams, Paul screams, because Paul had the reality. That's why God gave him the honor of writing 13 books in the Bible, because the man saw something for the church and said, imitate me as I imitate the Christ. The guy was either crazily arrogant or crazily humble. What would happen if the Apostle Paul walked through those doors and started preaching? Would we think, man, you are the most arrogant dude I've ever met. Imitate me as I imitate the Christ. What is the guy saying? Look to me. I'm so close. I've lived my life. I'm dedicated my life. I'm abandoned to this person called Christ. Imitate this flesh. Because sometimes it can be a little bit hard to copy a guy that you can't see. I can feel him, sense him, but I can't see him. So Paul goes, well, imitate me. Look at my life. You can see that, taste that. You can touch me. I'm here. And I, I love Paul. Apart from Christ, he is the man that I'm just absolutely adorned and in love with. I thank him. I prayed two weeks ago at staff meeting. Thank you for Paul. We have all been influenced because of this man called Paul. 13 letters. And what I'm going to read today, the scriptures are just going to speak for themselves. Because the man wrote 13 books. I don't know how many words that is. 13 books. And contained in these books is the reality of a supernatural reality for you and I. Not for a day when I die, now. To live in now. You see, the early church had the reality of the future and they lived in it now. Why do you think they could lay their lives down? Why do you think they were abandoned to Christ? Paul thought Jesus was coming back the next day. You see, Acts... The church in Acts had a revelation that he was returning. Hence, they were one. See, we try and copy Acts. 
But we don't have the revelation of the return of Christ or the oneness. So it never works. The church tries to go live in communities and do this communal living thing and buy all these houses. You know what? Lasts about three months if you're lucky because certainly what, what happens is the heart of man comes out. And this beautiful ideal that we think is going to work because we just physically choose to choose a physical reality, but nothing on the internal has shifted, never works. The early church, what we read about, had a revelation, a living knowledge of Christ returning and their lives were altered. You've got nothing, have what I have. You've got something, have what I have. Your business is my business. I'm loving on you, you're loving on me. There ain't no need here. Why? Because he's returning, bro, and he's coming for his church. And we need to model something. See, we get a sniff of that. We get a glimmer of a revelation of that. Can I tell you, our reality here will shift. It will. Paul met somebody and his whole world shifted. Didn't it? He met a person. The guy knew scripture, but he didn't understand the scriptures. He'd seen the power of God, but he didn't understand the power of God. The Bible says that the Pharisees searched for Christ in the scriptures, and Christ said, I stand in front of you. Here I am. And they missed him. It's the revelation of Jesus. The person. He embodies the law. He embodies the word. He is the law. I am it in flesh. I've come to fulfill it, not do away with it. And I stand in front of you. And if you would drink of me. What does that even mean? Oh, I got my dose for about five minutes. I'm tempted to pour this over my head. The Bible says, wash in the word. Wash in the word. Who's the word? Christ. And Paul, come with me to, where are we going? Philippians 3. Philippians 3. Man, I've, I'm excited. And it's not just hyped up passion. It's because, personally, I'm coming more and more into the reality of Christ. I'm, 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 I've come into something that's in Him. And you know what it does? It sets you free. It, 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 it's constant, too. It ain't just a, a, you know, an up and a down. It, it, it's constant. It's like, I'm seeing this on the staff. I'm seeing all the staff enter into a reality they haven't had before. You hang around with Jeremy. You'll either run away or you'll stay with him. I'm telling you, the guy has entered into. He's getting up pretty much at 3 o'clock and Melissa. Melissa was up at 4 o'clock and had a download for Danielle overnight. And they went out last night and shared it. You talk about walking together? See, there is a place in him. Man. You see, and when we take our eyes off ourselves 
And I know this can be tricky because we're so wide to look at ourselves. But Paul writes this letter to the Ephesians and he entitles it the goal of life. And do you think about that? The goal of life. You see, we set goals. They're all earthly goals. Has anyone ever set an eternal goal? Or is it all about, you know, by the time I'm 25, I want to have a degree. By the time I'm 30, I want to be a senior leader. How about I'm living a life on this planet to minister to the Father for eternity? How about my goal is to be and be made ready here on earth Live a life of readiness so if Jesus returns in my lifetime, I am ready to engage in the fullness of what that's going to look like because the Bible tells us what it's going to look like. Am I, is that my goal to be prepared unto him because he's returning for his bride? See, these are big, bold, audacious goals. But we write, Knowing him, loving others, and walking here. What does that even mean? And Paul says this. He says, and we're going to go from one, and we're just going to read it through to 21. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. So we've got to constantly be rejoicing in God. Because when life hurts or it sucks, if we're not rejoicing, if we're not giving thanks, very easy to turn inward, isn't it? Oh, it's a bad day. Well, you've got to catch your tongue because, you know, your tongue can keep you in your bad day. Oh, I'm not feeling that great. And I'm not wanting to knock anybody, but we've got to capture something in him. And if we can see it and receive it by faith, like Abraham did, I'm guaranteed, I tell you right now, it's the truth. You're now changes. He doesn't hide anything. He's saying, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things again is no trouble to me. And it is a safeguard for you. So you're going to hear stuff today if we get to it. You're going to, didn't he say that last week? Didn't he say that six months ago? Man, give us something new. Because I heard that. Well, what did you do with it? Because hearing and obeying brings you into a reality. You see, we posture ourselves so much just to hear and think we receive it in our intellect and think we know it. But he said you don't understand it. There is a knowing about and there is a knowing of. And the knowing about fills you with pride and puffs you up. But the knowing of creates humility in you, sets you free. And Paul's like saying, you know what, I'm going to keep repeating myself, repeating myself, repeating myself. Might say it differently. Kingdom of heaven's like this. It's like that. It's like this. It's like that. It's like this. But at the end of the day, it's the same thing. It all comes back to the same thing, which is who? Christ. Because on the revelation of the Christ, the knowing of, not about, the knowing of, I'm building. I'll build everything on 
the revelation of the Lord on paper. Thank you, Shirley. Lord on paper, the living Christ on paper. The living Christ through the Spirit. Spirit and truth, same thing, Christ. So Paul's not ashamed, he's not afraid, and then he says, because it's a safeguard for us all, that we keep meditating, we keep marinating, we keep chewing over, because until we come into the reality, we're outside of it. Until we actually come into it, abide in me, and watch your life start to shift. See, if I'm the same person that I was five years ago, I've got to allow that and be honest enough to go, there's something not quite right with that, God. Your love never gives up, never fails, so I know that your love will help me, and if I can capture a revelation of that, it'll bound me into something. It'll catapult me into something. Paul found God on the road to Damascus, and it catapulted the guy from being a killer to a lover. Isn't it? And this is what he says. He says, beware of the dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of false circumcision, for we are the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. None whatsoever. Because he says, you know why? Because I'm about to give you, he's about to give us his CV. He was a sharp dude. So I put no confidence in the flesh, although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh. If anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more. Okay, verse 5, this is where he gives you his CV. He says, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church as to the righteousness which is in the law found blameless. This is some cat. He's not your average person. He is a scholar of scholar. He studied under Gamaliel. He is the Pharisee of Pharisees. He is someone in the religious framework. Okay? Then the guy says this, but whatever things were gained to me, those things I've counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing this person called Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ and may be found in Him. Anybody want to sign up for that? Anybody want a bit of dose of that? That you would actually, with all authenticity, be able to say, see, this is what God wants for every one of us. He wants us to be able to say, you know what? Compared to what I, who I was and what I thought and who I knew, compared to coming into in him, this reality of knowing him? Man, what was I doing? 
I was constantly eating, and I've said this before, two-minute noodles. When a fine course, five dine at Martin Bosley's seafood, whatever you like, France, whatever meal was on offer. Compared to this, I never want that again. Because he's entered into something. Christ, not having a righteousness of my own, derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ Jesus. The righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. Verse 10, that I may know him. Everyone say, know him. And the power of his resurrection. Say the power of his resurrection. I want to know the power of your resurrection, Lord. Thank you. And, okay, I expect you all to be quiet on this one. The fellowship of his sufferings. Let's say that, come on. The fellowship of your sufferings. You know, life is found there. See, we, yes it is, we run away from the very place where life is. He says, I'm not interested in the flesh. I don't want this to be the thing. I could if I wanted, because you know what? I am the man. But I've come into a righteousness in Christ. I'm going to come into more knowing you more. I want to know the more of this power, this resurrection. And I'm submitting my life. And I'm going, I want to have fellowship with your sufferings, being conformed to his death. Now, here we go. You ready for this? Why would you want to do that? Verse 11 tells you. He says, I'm going to tell you. It's not a secret. In order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. What on earth are you talking about? Well, the Bible. So mark in your Bibles, Revelation 25 to 6, and go and read and meditate and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal his living word. The goal of life. Remember Paul, my Bible entitles it, the goal of life. So I meet this person called Jesus Christ. To know him, he says, I want to know him. This is who I was. I've met him. I've come into this thing. He says, man, do I want to know him more? Do I want the power living within me of his resurrection? Last week I preached about the cross. There's power at the cross to overcome sin. Jesus died for the power that sin has. Not just make your nature okay so you can get into heaven. There is a posture in him, a power in him to overcome. Revelation says to the overcomer. And I want to have fellowship with the suffering in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Then he says this in verse 12, not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect. I haven't already attained to the resurrection of the dead. I haven't already attained to the fullness of knowing him and these other things. But I press on so that I, I love this. I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. There's a goal right there, isn't it? 
Is that a goal in my list of goals for 2012? To lay hold of, sorry, 2013. Thank you, Simon. And 14. And 15. And 16. I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Simon, just stand up for me, bro. This is what it looks like to lay hold of. I love this guy. To lay hold of. We're comfortable doing that, aren't we? (laughs) He's a hugger. To lay hold of that. What is even that? Let's seek him for what is that, God? Well, he tells you. He doesn't leave anything untapped. See, he even tells you that you'll be able to prove the will of God if your mind's been renewed. Hold on, I thought I had to discover what the will was. No. I ain't going to leave that to chance. You're doing a pretty good job at that on your own, Greg. Look where it's got you. He says, if your mind is renewed through the Spirit, you'll prove the will of God. We're going to look at that as we go on. But can you hear what I'm saying? If your mind is renewed through the Spirit, this thing's no longer a mystery. You're no longer asking questions that you're asking because you'll know it. And I could say this, and everyone would go, that can't be right. It's as simple as this. Love God. Love others. Make disciples. There's the will of God. And we go, nah. Nah. Anyone else? I did. There's got to be more. No, no, no. What is he talking about? What is this order that I maintained to the resurrection from the dead? Because I could literally tell you the, the will of God is to just know him. What do you mean? Well, know him. Know him like Paul knew him. Enter into what even loving God even means. Then you'll love people with my love. Because when you enter into loving God, there's none of you left. You actually can then love others with the love of the Father. Man, does the church need to come into this? Because the church is to be known for love. If you have a ministry, have a this, have a that, have a this, have a this, have a that, have a that, but don't have love, what are we? Just a gong. Ka-dong. And then... Through this process, make disciples, go into the world. Because you know what? Paul said, man, this is a load of rubbish. What I was before I met this guy, had a revelation. Look at the man's life. He is an example for us as his people, what the church could be. Have we faith and courage to believe? And God gives us this man. And he writes these beautiful scriptures and he says things. I'm laying hold of this. Verse 13, brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. 
But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. How many of us need to forget what lies behind today? How many of us are going back? Man, it did look good in Israel, in Egypt. Numbers 14, didn't they? Constantly whiplash. This is a bit tough. This is unknown territory. We haven't been here before. It was comfortable back. Well, but really was it? Really was it? Because you were enslaved and, and oppression and all those things. Was it really that good? Well, no, not really, but keep pressing on. He says, forgetting what lies, I reaching forward to what lies ahead. What lies ahead? That I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. What lies ahead? Eternity spent with God. And the reality of that, not just the theological head knowledge, the reality of the revelation of the return of Christ, not just the theological viewpoint. One will radically shift us as a community. One will keep us the same. The truth will set you free. One will have you just, I'm trying to enter into that. I want to come into this. I'm still. And so we walk together as one to come into the fullness of what this man writes about. Then he says this, once again, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. See, I'm pressing into something. I'm living a life and I'm pressing in. It's a prize. Jaden had to earn his prize yesterday. He didn't just turn up with his guitar and receive the prize. He had to perform. He had to act. He had to do some things to receive the prize. <clears throat> it says many people run, but only one receives the prize. Be like an athlete who runs to receive. See, when our minds are on the things above, not on the earthly things that Colossians says, we can run free. I can see this. Yeah, that's light affliction, Paul says in 2 Corinthians. This is momentary light affliction. Man, he was whipped five times. Momentary light affliction, Paul? Yeah, because I'm moving towards something. The guy was shipwrecked. Momentary light affliction. Because I'm moving towards something. I've seen it and I've received it. Beaten? Till almost you were dead, Paul? Yep. They thought I was and I got back up and carried on preaching the gospel. What? Momentary light affliction? This guy was either nuts or he knew someone. My money's on he knew someone. I don't think you'd lay your life down for any human being to that measure or whatever he thought it was, any deception. That's pretty good deception if he didn't know Christ. Then he says this, Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. And if anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that to you. 
That's how much he loves us. He will reveal. We seek, he reveals. We wash in his word, he reveals. Set your minds on the things above. For the joy set before Christ, he went to his death for you and me. For the joy set before him, for the reality which he could see, he went to his death. It was that very substance that empowered him to say, God, I will go the cross. Let us keep living by the same standard to which we have attained. Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. Brethren, join in following my example. So he's writing this to us. He didn't just write his letters to the Philippian church, did he? So, brethren, brothers and sisters, right here and now at the rock, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk of whom I often told you and now tell you are weeping. They are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite. That's interesting. And whose glory is in their shame who set their minds on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the holy, sorry, with the body of his glory, by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. I want to leave it there. I want that to sit. I want us to pray right now. I want that to sit. Because what God's doing here more and more in us and through us and what he's saying is that I really want to and I'm going to define my people more and more. And I'm going to define them being built on me. On me. On the foundation of the Christ. More and more. Not in the people beside us. Not in maybe things that we put our trust in. But on the Christ. So that my people can become more and more like me and live these lives so too we could give testimony and say you know what this stuff maybe that I was hanging on to before what I was putting my identity in what I thought was it's a load of rubbish compared to knowing the Jesus Christ that died on a cross not just a and knowing about, and that's okay, that's where we start, and now it's all about measures, isn't it? We will, the measure in which we truly have a revelation on him, our lives reflect that. If I can be just honest, it's the truth. We have to be humble enough to go, you know what, I want truth. 
And so on the measure of the revelation that we actually have of Jesus, our lives reflect that measure. He loves us unconditionally. He says, great, I'm glad you've acknowledged that today because I actually really want to put me in you more and more and more where you come into more of me. And this stuff or these things that were holding you and binding you, you've been set free from them. Because I am in you to a measure that you haven't experienced. He wanted to know the power. There is a genuine power available to you and I through his baptism of his spirit. Now I received that at the age of 29. That's why I know it's true and real. It sits right here Paul's going, Paul received it, didn't he? That's why he writes about it. Puts it in the book for us. See, it's like, look at that. I want more of you, Father. I want everything that you died for for me to enter into. I I don't want anything less. I don't want to be least in the kingdom. And it says that we'll enter in, but you'll be least. I want, and that's not even about, you know, the best. It's just, I just want what you have. And the scripture teaches me there is a reality that I can enter into. So I want it. I'm selfish for it. I think it's the, the only time you can say it's good to be selfish. I want more of you. And I want more of you, not just, not for me, so I can strut around like a peacock. I want more of you so I can live my life here radically on the earth, which brings you glory. And people see you, Father, in the church and want you. That's why we want more of him. I was having a conversation with one of the guys that supported John Smith's Got Talent. He was just saying, he's been a Christian a year and he's caught this principle that he's a businessman. God's Blessing me, not for me, but for himself. His ultimate posture, he blesses us for himself. So we can bring back glory to the Father. So people can find the Father. It's just an awesome byproduct that we get to receive. And if he looks and he sees a vessel that he can pour his abundance and he will use that, while at the same time you find yourself Living in this abundance. It's like, this is incredible. Internally first and externally. Why? So his glory can be radiated upon the earth through the church. And when he teaches us and shows us these things, are we pressing on? And let's do it together. God gave me the word courage in life group during the week. And I just want to pray that over us. Because it's going to require courage and faith from every one of us if we really want to enter into the fullness of what God has. Yeah? So Father, I pray for your courage. I pray your courage into right now. Father, you've spoken 
this morning about where we, where we are. And so, Lord, we are forgetting that. We're not turning back. We're looking ahead. And we're going to press on. Not as individuals, Father, but as one. Because we can't do it as individuals. I'm not strong enough to run this race on my own. And so, Father, we're going to press on to know you. To enter into the power of your resurrection more and more. Having this living power within us that will dwell in us. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 teaches of. To partake of your sufferings, Lord. To, to be spat on. To be misunderstood. To be afflicted. To be persecuted. Because we live for truth. We live for you. And we are different from those of the world. But that difference draws us to those people, not away. Because the hope you in the church is what these people, the world is looking for, Father. So that, Lord, as we enter into the process, seeing the outcome but entering into the process, allowing the process to define us of knowing you and your power in the Spirit abiding in you, allowing you to shape us through those persecutions, trials and afflictions. Lord, I pray for your heartbeat to be more and more in us. I pray for the tendons and the ligaments and the giftings just to bond and unite us as one. I pray that we would let go of all our own agendas and all our own wants and all the things that we think and we would just enter into the commandment of God. And as we are doing that, I pray we'd do it more. Pray we would press in and that we would have courage and faith. Because Lord, you know how scary it is. But your love never fails. It never gives up. Your love never fails and it never gives up. Your love never fails and it never gives up. Father, today we receive that by faith. And I pray, Father, that we will be people, kingdom people, who produce fruit 100-fold, 60-fold, 30-fold, allow you to build us and allow you to produce that fruit in us from the seed of your word, the living seed that's planted. For your glory.